1: Hi, my name is Becky Olson. I'm a four time, 22 year survivor of advanced stage breast cancer. I'm also a motivational speaker, a speaker mentor, and the author of The Hat That Saved My Life. Sharon's off today. She's my normal co host on this show, but she and I are also the co founders of Breast Friends. And before we introduce our guests I want to I wanted to kind of share a subject that was inspired by the title of this show today which is reconstruction of a survivor. And I know that when most people think about reconstruction relating to survivorship we think about the physical reconstruction of things like, for example, our breast reconstruction. And and I have to say it is so, so very much more than that. And we are going to dive into that. And I think we're going to go kind of deep on that subject. But before we even get there, I wanted to share a couple thoughts that came to my mind. Um, a few years ago, someone who was trying to be very loving, supportive, and understanding said to me, And I will quote this, you are so lucky to get a boob job paid for by your insurance. And I know they were trying to be supportive. And, you know, you can't, you know, begrudge anyone for saying those kinds of things. But there are so many problems with that statement. First off, there was nothing lucky about it. And I remember an episode years ago on Desperate Housewives when Eva Langoria's character pulled into a handicapped parking spot with her fancy new car. And as she got out, a gentleman in a wheelchair kind of threw her that look. And then she made some stupid comment (laughs) about how they're so lucky they get to park near the door. Well, I'm sorry, I would trade parking 40 feet away um, for not having to live my life in a wheelchair. So there's nothing lucky about that. Uh, Also, I wanted to talk about the actual reconstruction of a breast. It's not the same as a breast implant. I call them placeholders because they're, they're really not breasts. Um, there are some similarities between an actual breast and a placeholder. Yeah, they fill a bra. Um, they give me cleavage. Sometimes they bounce and they kind of feel real to somebody else. But there's big differences. They don't feel real to me because I can't feel them. They don't provide any kind of milk production to feed babies. Nipples don't react to cold or even to touch. And for a lot of women, and I know we talked about this on our show some, but breasts are very much a part of our erogenous zone. And when you lose that, you lose a whole component of, of that very intimate part of your life. So, And that's just the beginning. So reconstruction really isn't just about the physical things. Um And actually that is why Breast Friends exists. The emotional reconstruction is more difficult and that's why we're here to help women get through that journey Um, and we're going to talk about this with our guest today who does something very similar and that is our guest is Wanda Johnson. So Wanda, as I introduce you, we know we're going to go deep on this subject. So with that, let me introduce Wanda. She's a nine-year cancer survivor with a family history of various cancers. She's also the project coordinator and lead group facilitator for an organization called Reconstruction of a Survivor. I can't wait to hear her perspective on this. So let's just jump right in. Welcome, Wanda. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Becky. Well, we're we're delighted. So why don't you take a minute and tell us just a little bit about yourself personally, you know, where do you live? I hear a southern accent, so I'm thinking somewhere in the south. Uh, Tell us about your family, (laughs) just anything you think that would be fun for us to know about you. Sure, sure. That southern accent comes from being raised in Mobile, Alabama.
2: Uh-huh. Uh, however, I, uh-huh, I live in Houston, and I have been here for about 36 years now, uh, living here with my husband and son, 12-year-old grandson, uh, weird with a uh, younger sister and, and brother. Uh, so, at this point, I am a grandmother and an aunt and a great aunt, and it's that great aunt status that is most dear to me because it represents a continuing legacy. Oh, that's and, true. Uh, yes, loving those little kids uh, who span from a few months old to six years old now, and oh, I'm that... so thankful for
1: technology.
2: You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah face- They're, in, they're in and Georgia. everything.
1: Yeah, Yeah. well, you know what, I've got grandkids in Georgia, too, and I'll tell you, if it wasn't for Facebook, I wouldn't have a clue what some of them are up to, you know? So, we do love our our social media, that's for sure. Yes, we do. It does have its positive advances. Yeah. Well, Wanda, why don't we kind of just jump right in and talk about your personal journey first, because I know, you know, with your experience with, um, you know, with cancer, why don't you Go ahead and tell us a little bit about your journey, you know, when were you diagnosed and how that happened, and, you know, just kind of all of those, just that whole part of your story. Sure, sure. Well, let me say the very beginning of
2: my journey was uh, when my mother actually was diagnosed with, with breast cancer, and I was uh, turning 27 the day that she had a, a mastectomy. Fast forward a few years, uh, my sister was diagnosed with uh, advanced gallbladder cancer, and I became her full time caregiver, which taught me and it also prepared me for a journey that I would take for my own personal self uh, a year or so later. Uh, You know, since I I reside in Houston, I. it intended, it was my mission to bring her to MD Anderson, uh, but because of the um, extreme blood clots that developed in her legs, or manifested in her legs and all, and a lymphedema, we were not able to make make that happen. Mm, so a yeah. very, very short assessment trip turned into a seven-month temporary move to Alabama to, to care for her. Uh, Being there taught me um, a different perspective of of caregiving. It taught me how to become a patient advocate, how to use my voice, um, taking care of her and learning that being a caregiver was not so much about what I wanted to do for her, but to be there, give her a sense of comfort and allow her to be as much of who she is or was as she could be given, given the circumstances.
1: And Wanda, um, so Wanda that, just real quick. Yes. Wanda, just real quick. This was all before you were diagnosed, right? That's correct. All before so I was you, diagnosed. You had all this experience in dealing with a family, and you, you know, and, that, and that's a hard thing to do when you don't have as much of an understanding from the patient perspective. A lot of people don't can't do what you did for your sister, and I'm I, I'm really impressed with that. So I just wanted to clarify that before we move forward, because caregiving is an art. All you know unto itself. So, um, yes. so good for you for stepping into that role. What yes,
2: was what yes, was that it, like it for it really you? What, what,
1: what was that like? You were it young is. and you know being that caregiver. Yeah, Becky, it's, you know,
2: I really, I've struggled with trying to find the words uh, for it. And part of that is because in our family structure, I've had to deal with so many transitions of parents, grandparents, uh, very, very close uncle and aunt, where I would be the lead person.
0: Mm.
2: And. Uh, having to sort of, if you will, coordinate all of those arrangements. Okay. So somehow I, I have been given the strength to step into those kinds of traumatic roles and do what was necessary and allow the others to grieve as they needed to grieve Uh, apart from having to deal with so much of the logistics, if if you will, and somehow manage to intertwine my own emotions with the needs of the day. And so that makes it easy for me to step into those caregiving types of, of roles But needless to say, after my sister transitioned on and I returned back to Houston trying to resume the life that I had just put on hold, I noticed what I thought was a bug bite uh, Mm -hmm. above the curve of, of the breast. And so I waited until I had my regular mammogram to go in and uh, went through that whole process. And, you know, once the technician steps out to go get the okay, I just innately moved my gown and felt that bump because Mm -hmm. it wasn't in a place that's normally caught by, you know, by a mammogram. And I said, oh, wait, we need to go back and, you know, look at this. And uh, so as a result of remembering that the block was there, I was actually worked in for every test up to a needle aspiration so that they were certain of what it was they thought they were seeing. And so I was very fortunate. You don't hear very many women say that once they go in and a a lump is found, that they get to go through every other diagnostic uh, mm-hmm. exam.
1: So uh, but I was very just, fortunate. Just real to quick, do that. Um, how how old were you when you it was you said nine years ago and so actually you don't have to tell me how old you you were because then we could figure out your oh. age now. I and mean, we don't want to do that to you unless you want to tell. But <laughs> how much longer I, after I, you were caregiver for your for your sister and for your mom? I mean how how much time elapsed in there?
2: Yeah. Between my sister and I, it was 14 months after her transition, and that was in 2008, okay? And I don't mind sharing my age because it is something that, you know, I hold very precious. I am currently
1: 62. I was oh, you're just a baby. <laughs> you're you're well, still thank a, you. It's, age is a relative well, thing, you. right? I turned 65 yes, in, in December. So, you're yes, still you're yes, still my junior. <laughs> yeah. So, I
2: was actually diagnosed at the same age that my mother transitioned from a breast cancer recurrence. So, that would have been at the age of 53.
1: Okay. Yeah, and that let me ask you this question. I'm going to ask you two questions. Okay. I've heard you talk about your sister transitioning. Do you mean she transitioned to survivor mode or did she did she pass? No, she passed. She did. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. I didn't want to let that go because I I thought maybe that's what you meant, but I wasn't sure. So I'm I'm very sorry to hear that. That must have been after doing all that caregiving with her and watching her go through that to have her pass from... That. that's that's I'm sorry to hear that. I just mm-hmm. didn't want that to go uncommented on. Um, so, okay, so let's go back to... So you found this lump. Where was the lump? You said it wasn't in a normal spot that would be picked up by mammogram. So where did you feel yeah. it? Let's see. Clinically,
2: the uh. upper <laughs> inner quadrant at her the inner? 1 o'clock position. Okay. But it was... It's above the the curvature, the flat portion of of our breast.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I get
2: that. um yeah, so even finding it, the thought never occurred to me that it would have been a tumor. It just never yeah. occurred to me. Uh but as it is, it turned out that it that it was. So I was diagnosed at uh stage two A. Okay. Uh
1: ER positive. PR-positive, and HER2-positive. Really? Wow, that's kind of unusual, isn't it? I mean, we all hear triple negative, but we don't hear too much about triple positive cancer. So that must have been a little bit alarming how did they so how did they treat that I'm I know the most common type of breast cancer is estrogen positive and that's what mine was mine was ER positive and uh, HER2 negative which is the most common type Um, so in your situation what what did they do for treatment on that
2: we elected to have a a lumpectomy okay uh, because it it could have very well been stage one, but because of the uh, asymmetry of the tumor itself, they staged mm-hmm. it as a as a two on the side okay. of caution.
3: And okay. again, with
2: my with my mother's history, uh, so we had the lumpectomy, chemotherapy radiation, and uh, the uh, hormone therapy, arimidex And okay. uh, I elected to stay on Arimadex, uh beyond the five years now. I think I've got about another year and a half uh, to reach the 10-year mark. Okay. And I did that because I wasn't able to complete Herceptin due to the toxicities, Mm, and okay. a you know a sense of comfort where the hormonal therapy was the backup plan, if you will, to give me mm-hmm. that extra assurance. And uh, so, um, and besides, so far tolerating it very well, uh, went into that decision to stay to stay on it beyond the five years.
1: Yeah. And they're, they're recommending 10 years for almost all those. I'm on, I'm on a drug right now for the estrogen because I've had this four times. Every It seems like every time they take me off, my body kind of goes back into, you know, the production mode of cancer cells or something. So I'm going to be on there the rest of my life, as they say. But I recently, uh, and we are going to come up on here on our break pretty soon. So we'll just, I know we had a lot more to talk about this segment. We'll just move it to the next one. But um, I had my my uh, BRCA testing, you know, my my genetic mutation testing done ten years ago when all they knew about was the BRCA one and two, and that's to tell if you've got the heredit- family hereditary situation and I tested or negative for those but then recently you know they've come up with 26 or so new gene mutations that they've discovered and I had I was tested again and I tested positive for two of them and um, which were not BRCA1 and 2 they were they were two different ones which now increases my risk of other things besides breast cancer so you know it's it's a I don't know if you've done any of that, the panel testing for the gene mutation, the hereditary link, but with your family history, I'm guessing you either have or someone's talked with you about it. Is that right? Well, yeah. You know, since it was okay.
2: nine years ago now, I did the BRCA1, you know, testing. That was it. And it was negative. And um, that's the only only testing that I've had thus far. Yeah
1: yeah and there's there's so many more and it's the same kind of test they do it with with blood and if myriad did your first one i understand they'll do the second one and they won't even charge you for it talk to your doctor about that to all of our listeners but that's what i understand so um we are going to go out to break wanda and when we come back i would love to talk with you about what you learned through this whole process and then we'll get into what you do so um stay tuned we'll be back in a minute
4: When a woman is diagnosed with cancer, she faces unique challenges. No one understands this better than the experts at Compass Oncology. Our women's cancer program includes a team of specialists in breast and gynecologic cancers, genetic testing, and the ongoing care of women with high risk factors. From targeted therapies and clinical trials to needed emotional support, Compass is a leader in treating women's cancer. Find out more at compassoncology.com.
0: Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. For Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio, visit breastfriends.org and contribute today.
3: When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless.
4: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio.
1: Welcome back to our program. We've been talking with our guest, Wanda Johnson. She's the Project Coordinator for Reconstruction of a Cancer Survivor. And Wanda, before we get into what you're doing now, I'd like to go back to what the part, you know, the part that we didn't quite get to, and that is to talk about some of the things you learned by going through your journey. And if you could just kind of address those quickly, and then we're going to pick up kind of where we were going to go into the next segment so uh, so we'll talk about the emotional impact of cancer how it's not fully understood and all of those things so so go for it kiddo
2: okay thanks Becky again Uh Just a few of the things I've learned more about the emotional impact of having uh, breast cancer or any diagnosis. One is that it is not fully appreciated by our family, our social circles, our workplace. People tend to have uh, that thought, if we look good and we seem to be doing okay, everything must be all right. We're done with (laughs) chemotherapy, so life just needs to move on. Right. Oh, how false that that is um, a lot of times as survivors we we don't really know that it's okay for us to be vulnerable and to tell our family and friends that it's not as good as it appears. We wear our masks very, very well. They can be small. They can cover our entire face. Sometimes we can even put on entire costumes to hide the emotional impact that we're going through uh, many times silently. Uh, I know for my own family and friends, you know, I knew that to some degree I was grieving, you know, not knowing what it meant, uh, what life would be like, so forth and so on. And I certainly knew about my family and what we had experienced with my sister and, and their thoughts. So I tried to invite them to talk to me about it, but, you know, I had no takers. So, uh, but I'm still hopeful that at some point in time, you know, we may be able to have some conversations about that.
1: Yeah, it's a a tough thing, it's a tough thing to do because, you know, to your point, that Sometimes we end up being the ones that we're telling everybody in our circle that oh everything's going to be fine I'm going to be fine but deep down we don't know that we're going to be fine but we have to put that mask on as you described to let everyone know everything's cool everything's going to be just dandy and inside we are scared to death sometimes and yeah. so I I get that you know I remember putting off telling my kids until I kind of got. Talked. I got almost tricked into it, you know, by my son who saw me crying during a movie, and he thought I was crying at the movie, and then he thought it was the sun coming through the windows. But really, what I was crying was about how are they going to react when I told them, because I I hadn't told them yet. And so, yeah, it's it's tough. Um, We we put those masks on. So, um, and it is not the same for everyone, right? I mean, what what have you kind of discovered? Like your mom and your sister, how did they wear that mask? Did they do that? Well, yes, my, my sister
2: uh, wore that mask very, very well. Uh, we were two years apart, and I was the oldest uh, uh, of the two. And she very, very quickly went from, okay, we're going to fight this thing to, at her very next doctor's appointment, looking at me to respond to a doctor's question uh-huh. that was directed to her. Wow. And just frankly said, they call me Nanny. Nanny, so what do you think? Yeah. And from that moment on, she silently yielded her
1: care to me. Yeah. Now imagine
2: that load, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, So that
2: was something that I just had to quickly say, well, okay, it's her choice. I'm not going to question her. I was very, Mm -hmm. very humbled by it because we didn't always see eye to eye. And for her to, to entrust me with her care as she went through her emotions in dealing with this, She had uh, two daughters. Uh, One might have been maybe in her late 20s, and the other about 16 years old. And of course, you know, her concerns were with her daughters and how would she talk to them, et cetera, et cetera. But Uh beyond that, she chose not to say very much. Right. So wow. that was um, that was really something uh, that I had not experienced before, even even with my mother. Yeah. And then when I was diagnosed, I was more concerned about my nieces, my husband, my son, <laughs> and my yep. my brother. You know, he's a, a, Navy, a naval officer, and he was out on deployment, uh, and I knew due to come back soon, and I was just determined that he would not get this news before he hit on U.S. soil again.
1: Yeah, I don't blame a you for that. I don't blame you for no. that at all. My my son's a firefighter. He's down in Southern Oregon right now, putting out fires. And there's some things I don't tell him when he's engaging in in those kinds of activities because you don't need to have them thinking other things while they're what they should be focused on on the job that they have to do. That's so dangerous. So, so yeah, I get that. You know, Wanda. Before we run out of time in this segment, I really would like to switch gears with you just for a moment, if you don't mind. Um, you know, the emotional impact of cancer, as we've kind of discussed, can be very difficult, not not all just in the emotional, but I mean sometimes it, it can show up in the spiritual, the physical, you know, we can make ourselves sicker because our emotions are just so shot. But also emotional impact can have positive results. This is something that you shared with me before our interview. So talking about self-discovery and some other things, can you Can we switch gears and talk about the positive results of an emotional impact? Definitely, definitely. One that I
2: I learned very early on uh, that really surprised me was a liberation from weight and physical, social, etc. To lose my hair was so liberating for me where most ladies are just devastated. You know, what am I going to look like? How is my hair shaped? What am I going to do about going to work, et cetera, et cetera? Fortunately, I work from home and what I do, so that wasn't so much of a concern. But to not have hair... Oh, gosh, I loved it. One has gone away, right? The other is losing some social inhibitions. I was not one who really ran toward a camera, ready to take pictures, et cetera. And I've learned now just to go with the flow because you attend so many different events and, people, oh, let's take a picture and so forth. Okay, take a picture. It is what it is. We're going to do that. But the best one of all, I participated in a flesh mob dance of breast <laughs> cancer survivors. I love that. <laughs> at the major mall in Houston, the Galleria. Oh my
1: gosh, that is amazing.
2: Yes, <laughs> yes it is. Don't look doning a pink wig with a pink boa and... I'm like, I have lost my mind, (laughs) you know, but what better opportunity to experience something very fun, exhilarating, freeing, than to participate in something like that. And best of all, Donna Summer actually surprised us and
1: came and sang her song live for us, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah. That's that's pretty special. You know, yeah. this brings up a good point, and I, let me just kind of plug something in here because you you bring up a really good point. That would not have happened for you if you hadn't somehow plugged yourself into the cancer community, right? I mean, this happened because a group of cancer survivors, somebody, decided that they wanted to do this flash mob and created this, this event, and, and that is part of the joy that we talk to women about in this this arena called breast cancer it's it's a really hard thing to go through by yourself but some women choose to do that and that's okay it's their choice but for those who who kind of embrace it differently than that and decide that they want to be part of this sisterhood of survivors out here who who have found a way to bring joy into the experience it's not a good experience by any means but but those moments can bring joy into something that normally you know you you might not if you might not want to embrace that and we really do talk to people about about trying to get connected in that way because then you have a really good sense of support and you get to do crazy fun things like put on a pink wig and a pink boa and and do a crazy dance in the mall I mean that's those are the kinds of things that can surface from that and it's it's pretty powerful I think what do you think it is extremely powerful and can be
2: so transformative, you know. And like you said, had it not been for the community, mm-hmm. chances are I would not have had those experiences or would not have chosen to engage in them had they been presented to me. Yeah. And uh, just to have that opportunity and to, like, like you said, there, there is joy in the journey, definitely not for most in the experience itself, but there is definitely joy in the journey, and we owe it to ourselves as survivors to be able to find those moments, to be able to see them and stop if it's only for the moment, a few seconds to recognize, hey, that makes me feel good. Yeah, exactly. we, We really do owe it to ourselves.
1: We do. And I know there's a lot of, of there there's a movement against the pink ribbon concept and I understand it. You know, it's like it's like we're we're not it's there are people who believe that if you embrace the pink ribbon concept, and I don't mean just the pink ribbon itself, but all that the pink ribbon represents, which is part of that is community, that we're not taking this disease seriously. Believe me, we take this disease very seriously. But I'm not willing to give up living yet. And I know that's why a lot of women kind of embrace this concept. They don't want to just have it m- mean nothing in their lives. So, you know, there's there's a lot of things that we kind of, we start to put our priorities in a different order. And maybe there's a lot of other changes that happen. So again, we're going to switch gears one more time now. <laughs> and I okay. would like to hear, I would like you to talk for, I, I'm not sure how long we have before the next break, but a couple minutes anyway. So why don't you talk a little bit about your, Organization, Reconstruction of a Cancer Survivor. What is that? What do you guys do? And then we're going to talk about some of the topics that you teach through that. So why don't you start by just telling us what it is. Sure. Reconstruction of a Survivor is a breast cancer support
2: organization. Like Breast Friends, we provide support to those of us who are taking this breast cancer journey, whether they have just been diagnosed, Don't have a clue yet what they've just been told, or it could be someone who has finished treatment and has moved or is moving into that emotional phase of the journey and recognizes that they need to talk to uh, some sisters, if you will. And so, what we do is partner with healthcare organizations around the greater Houston area to provide community-based support groups uh, for women and uh, or their families or their caregivers to attend. We meet on a monthly basis. We have, I believe, currently 10 different locations around the Houston area. They all meet once a month. Okay. And... Uh, have various topics. We have a program, and it's called Navigating Life's Roadway After Cancer. Uh, It is a curriculum-based program where we have... Specific topics that we um, deliver to the to the support groups. We also have uh, other professionals speakers to come in and talk about uh, different things that either the facilitators uh, don't feel comfortable or it just makes more sense to have someone uh, like a um, certified oncology massage therapist
1: to come in okay. and to talk okay. about that. And it so, sounds, it sounds so wonderful. that's what we do. Yeah. Okay. And that sounds wonderful. And I think for our listeners who are in the Houston area who may need this kind of service, I think that, that they should definitely check into, you know, working with you. But let's let's take this more global for a moment. And we've only got a couple minutes. So we're just going to get it started, and then we're going to go out to break. But um, our audience is more global, and what I'd love you to do is share um, – some educational tips for them, like things that you might share at the support group meeting. For example, when you talk about it's okay to cry, what does that mean? And, we're, and after, you're going to explain this, and then we're going to go out to break, okay? And we'll pick it, pick up the rest on the other side. But what does it mean when you say it's okay to cry?
2: When I say it, it's okay to cry, it means that it is okay to allow ourselves to be vulnerable, to have that moment. There are so many different benefits to tears. Tears are cleansing. Tears are healing. It's like a, um, in the words of a a psychiatrist and an intuitive healer, uh, Dr. Judith Orloff, she says that tears are a release valve for stress, for grief, anxiety, frustration, and joy. We Mm -hmm. hold those emotions on the inside and oftentimes Holding them in will backfire on us, and they manifest themselves in some type of physical symptom. Well, it's okay to cry. Let those tears out. You don't have to explain to anyone why you're crying, especially in those moments when you have no idea, when the tears just start to flow and you don't know. You owe nobody any explanation? So we share with the ladies, you know, don't be so quick to pass the Kleenex. Let the tears flow. Just get into the moment, relax,
1: release, and just be, be restored. You know, it really is. I okay, think that's to cry. great. You know, and, and I'm glad to hear you say that because my kids, all we always go to movies, you know, when, we, when my kids were here and they were young, we'd go to movies as a family, and it would always be somebody's idea to take me to this movie because they knew I would cry, and they would look over at me at those tender moments, and they'd see tears, and they'd do, yes, like, I win, this was, <laughs> I got her to cry, yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I do understand that, so we're going we're gonna to actually go out to break, and when we come back, we are going to talk about Joy being right around the corner,
4: so stay tuned, we'll be back back in a minute When a woman is diagnosed with cancer, she faces unique challenges. No one understands this better than the experts at Compass Oncology. Our women's cancer program includes a team of specialists in breast and gynecologic cancers, genetic testing, and the ongoing care of women with high-risk factors. From targeted therapies and clinical trials to needed emotional support, Compass is a leader in treating women's cancer. Find out more at CompassOncology.com.
0: Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. For Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio, visit breastfriends.org and contribute today.
3: When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a crossing shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regents Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless.
4: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio.
1: Welcome back to our program. We've been talking with our guest, Wanda Johnson, who's the Project Coordinator for Reconstruction of a Cancer Survivor. And just before we went out to break, we were talking about some of the topics that they teach in some of their workshops, and we just covered It's Okay to Cry, and I'm so glad because I do it often. Um, But now we're going to talk about kind of the flip side of that, and that is that joy is right around the corner. So, Wanda, speak to that. Becky, I think I I mentioned earlier that
2: there is always joy in our journey as breast cancer survivors and in our journey at life. We have to learn how to be alert to those moments and to the fact that they occur and Mm -hmm. to just stop and recognize and, and enjoy the moment. The journey doesn't always have to be gloom and doom. You know, my mantra was, I do not have breast cancer. It's a temporary situation. Good. And that's how I approached it. You know, I chose not to wither away, but to live through that
1: journey. You know, yeah. however
2: it un- unfolded.
1: You know? That's good. And the I'm glad to hear you say real. that. Uh, yeah, I'm glad to hear you say it that way. Because when I think of joy being around the corner, it's like it's never achievable. But what you're saying is that really joy is now. The joy is in the journey as long as we look at it that way and have our minds and our hearts open. Is that, am I hearing you correctly? You are
2: hearing me correctly. The joy Good. really is there.
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: Open up cool. our eyes and our hearts and our minds to receive it, and it's there.
1: So, let me, you know, when you're not feeling all that joyful, <laughs> which mm-hmm. sometimes we're not, you know, um, in fact, I'm, I'm just getting ready to post something on my blog about, um, you know, people say, well, you just need to have a positive attitude. Well, that's great until you're feeling really crappy and gloomy and everything around you is kind of feeling like you're like it's over. Um, but I talk about the positive to get a positive attitude. The best way to do that is to do a positive activity. Because it's really hard to focus on something so negative while you're focusing on something so positive. You can't do both. So the more positive activities you have in your life, the, the more positive attitude you're going to have. But even then, there's still those days I can't get out of bed to go to work. What do I do? So what do you tell people then?
2: You tell people today is just not a good day. You know, We have to go through this journey putting ourselves first and being truthful to ourselves uh, because stress, again, can manifest itself in so many different ways and so much so that we can't recognize that a symptom is stress-related and therefore it just lingers and lingers and lingers until that impact really hits us, you know, but on those days for people who are employed and they're, they're working and just don't feel like doing uh, anything at all, one, be honest, but if you have to be in that workplace, again, talk to someone. A colleague, uh, your manager, someone, and let them know what's going on. Help them to understand that just because the therapy might be over with, um, or you had chemo a week ago, or what have you, uh, and you look okay, doesn't mean that all is well.
1: So be open. That that is so true. You know, one of the things that that Sharon brought to Breast Friends was, and she didn't create this, but she really embraced it and brought it. It's called the Spoon Theory. Are you familiar with that? No, I'm not. The Spoon Theory is kind of takes the place of, so kind of equates spoons to energy. You wake up every morning, and you you're given a certain amount of spoons, and the spoons. You need spoons to pay for it. like in your energy, it's maybe it takes you three spoons just to get out of bed. Maybe it takes you 12 spoons to get showered and dressed and then you get through lunch and it takes you, you know, another 12 spoons just to eat lunch because you got to go get something or fix it. And pretty soon, because on certain days it takes more energy to do things than it does on other days, right? But at some point during the day, you might run out of spoons, And then you're just out of spoons and you got no more energy to do anything. And and so by having your 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 employer know what's going on with you, you know, by by using the spoon theory, you can kind of explain it to him up front and, you know, call and say, I am out of spoons. And, um, you know, I think we all have some of that anyway. But when you're battling cancer and, and even like you said, when you're done with treatment, it hangs on for a long time. It doesn't just go away because I had my last chemo treatment yesterday. Cause to celebrate, yes, but when the family says "woohoo, you're done," what's for dinner? <laughs> I don't know. What are you fixing? You know, I don't have the energy yet because it can take a, a year to get all of your energy back to normal. So, spoon theory—it's a great concept. You can Google it. There's all kinds of stuff on the on the web about that. But um, okay, so talking to your boss, telling him that what's going on—that's a good thing. And what does, I saw this on your website, what is 2 minus 1, I'm still at 10, what does that mean? I have no, I could not put my finger on that. (laughs) That is more about self-image and
2: self-esteem, you know, for women who uh, have had to undergo or they've elected to undergo uh, partial mastectomy you know mm-hmm. my, being being without one breast or one placeholder if you will does not really change the core of who you are you oh know, i love our that our beauty our beauty is really on the inside
3: that is it's not so true.
2: Outside. You know, that's how society sees us and dictates what our beauty is. But it's really on the inside. And it, it gives us the opportunity to reflect and to remember who we are as a person or who we once thought we were. And we sort of lost it or let go of it as life has taken priority, if you will. Okay. And so it's an opportunity for us to realize that there's more to us than our breath. You know, yeah, that, there, there's that more is so to sure. us than our physical physique.
1: Yes. Yep. Yep. That is so true. We had a, a wonderful guest on our show last week talking about, well, the show was about finding your twinkle. In the midst of cancer, and she was talking about how when she had her breast removed, then she had a an oophorectomy and a hysterectomy, and she at one point felt like all of her female parts were gone, and did she was she still a woman? And I, I was so touched by that because. You know, I, rem- I haven't had the hysterectomy thing yet, but I've thought about it. But I can mm-hmm. see, I can see how you might start to feel that way. But, but we are not our cancer. We are not our. It's just something we're going through. And that's, you know, we've all gone through something hard in our lives. Everybody goes through hard stuff in their lives. So, um, so I think that's that's a really important message. I, when I saw the two minus one, I'm still a ten. I had no idea what that meant, but now <laughs> it makes perfect sense. So let's talk about yeah. forgiveness Let, before we run out. Let's talk about forgiveness. So tell us sure. why that's important. Oh, forgiveness is extremely,
2: extremely important. I had a best friend of many, many years who took on the role of being my gatekeeper, uh, my uh, just my helper. And she said to me, you know, can you just pretend that you're sick? <laughs> And Becky, yeah, there was this pause, and of course my my mouth probably fell to the floor. You know, you have no idea, (laughs) you know, how I have to wake up each morning and hope that I'm going to feel good, you know, and that neuropathy isn't going to grab onto my feet and I can't get up and all these things. And I had to make a choice. I either had to forgive her for making that statement because she had no idea or I could have chosen to just hold on to it and just be a very unforgiving person yeah. because she made that statement which in turn would have affected the role that she graciously stepped into. You hmm. being being forgiven is not for the other person. It's really for us. Yeah, that is so true. Of mind,
3: yeah. And
2: so it it helps us. We we and it it goes beyond the breast cancer journey. It's it's about our relationships with family members, with good friends, what have you. And sometimes those people who are we whom we are harboring unforgiveness towards are the people who will step up and do the most for us. And it's, so we yeah. have to learn how to let go of that unforgiveness uh-huh. to receive the help, the blessing that they can be
1: to us. You know, um, I, I like to kind of call Sharon the queen of quotes because she's really good at finding things out there in, in you know, the cyberspace. And she found this yeah. quote, and I don't even know where it came from or I'd give credit there. But um, basically was talking about, you know, when you don't forgive someone, it's like eating poison and expecting the other person to die that's what unforgiveness is you're the one that's being hurt the most by it so you know you need to forgive for you so you're not constantly drinking this poison of unforgiveness and and sometimes they don't even know what you're mad about you know so yeah so there's some really good lessons in that and and it is something that is helpful to let go of for sure so let's talk about speed bumps what's the speed bump named breast cancer I think we can kind of figure that out, but give me the, the nutshell version of what that means yeah. to you.
2: So oh, speed bump is that this is just another life obstacle or hurdle that we have to get over in life. Yeah. You know, yeah. The longer we, we live, the, 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 the likelihood, higher likelihood that we will experience something that we don't want to experience. And, you know, and, uh, you know it's, it's all about perspective. No, no matter what tag we put on anything, it's about how we choose to see the situation that, that we're in. You know, can be breast cancer can be this small hurdle that we go through, or it can be something major, but it's all about how we view it and how we choose to go through it and get over it. If you will, I don't use <laughs> that, that, so that phrase "get over it" very lightly at all. Not at all, because I know that it can be and is very devastating for for many many people. Yeah,
1: um, and, and the and, and the reality of this, Wanda, too, is you know it's it's easier to get over it if you have the kind of cancer that is not going to end your life, and you know yes. you watched your sister die from cancer, and you know it's mm-hmm. easier. But there are some women who face a really, really tough. Like they're when they are diagnosed, they're already at the at stage four metastatic. When they're before they even have a chance to fight breast cancer, it's they find it. It's already progressed beyond where they can even deal with that. So, for them, it's a pretty darn big speed bump. And so, I don't mean we don't mean at all to any of our listeners to downplay the seriousness of a cancer diagnosis. But the good news is for most women for most women, we, there is going to be a period of of treatment with a light at the end of the tunnel and so it is it is a speed bump I guess in in your term I like that. Um, but we still lose too many women. It's getting better but we still lose too many. So um, okay, oh, yes. let's talk about joy being your strength because boy I couldn't agree with you on that one more.
2: Yes, definitely.
1: You know, joy
2: is—it's an emotion. It's it's a feeling, and it can actually be a great source of strength for us. Um, And and I believe that applies to. Anybody all across the the spectrum of of breast cancer. Yes, it's more difficult for our sisters with uh, advanced uh, breast cancer, stage 4 breast cancer, and my heart goes out to them. I once told a group of people I never want to get to the place where I forget about that group of individuals, mm-hmm. because so often they're left out of the mainstream, but even just yes. individually, I always want to be reminded of them. But joy is our strength, and if we can hold on to some degree of, of joy mm-hmm. uh, on a daily basis through this journey, you mm-hmm. know, we would be surprised at what we can actually get through and accomplish. Yeah, that's and true. Accomplish.
1: Yeah. yeah, And I think okay. that's why I'm writing that blog post, because joy, you know, the, the joy that we have, it's sometimes it's in things that we do. It's painting. It's it's reading. It's it's something. But it's not a passive activity. Find an activity that that you find joy in. And, and that's going to help with your attitude by by quite a bit. So, listen, Wanda, we are I, I hate to even say this, but this interview went super fast. Um, we are pretty much out of time, so I wanted to thank you so much for being a guest on our show. How can people reach you to learn more? Do you have a website that they can go to? Yes. Becky, what first is that? of
2: all, thank you for having me. The website is ROA Survivor.org. R as in rabbit. O is Oscar. A Apple Survivor dot o okay. r g. Or feel free to email me at r o a survivor at
1: gmail dot com. Okay. So if anybody has any questions about what Wanda's doing or you know any of her program information. Um, Please feel free to reach out to her, to our listeners that are are with us today. um, We do have a Breast Friends app now. You go to the App Store or on Google Play. And you can just download the Breast Friends app is what it's called. And there you can, you can get some really great information or you can um, join our community and talk to people. Um, you can also visit our website at breastfriends.org. Please make a do- donation online if you like this program. It helps keep it going. And we will be back next week. Until then, remember, there is always hope and we're here to help you find it.
0: Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hennepin and Becky Olson again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. There is always hope and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time.